Welcome everyone to the latest episode of HPAC Engineering's new podcast series, HPAC On The Air. My name is Rob McManamy. I'm Editor-in-Chief of HPAC Engineering Magazine. We're now in our 92nd year. Uh, this new monthly online feature aims to bring you even more insight into the news and issues that affect our industry, as well as the opinions of trusted thought leaders that you've come to know on our print pages. Now, with that in mind, HPAC On The Air this month welcomes two guests, both from the Air Movement and Control Association International, or AMCA, based in Arlington Heights, Illinois. They are Michael Ivanovich, AMCA's Senior Director of Global Affairs, and Aaron Gunsner, AMCA's Advocacy Manager, based in Denver. Now, gentlemen, uh, please tell us a little bit, tell our listeners just a little bit more about AMCA and your roles with the organization, if you would. Okay, I'll lead off. Uh, it's good to be here, Robin. And uh, just for just for convention, we can say instead of saying AMCA, we can say AMCA. All right, uh, that's fine too. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, hey, I'm uh, I'm senior director for global affairs at AMCA. I've been there for almost ten years, believe it or not. And uh, in my history, you may recognize the name, but I used to be the editor in chief of HPAC Engineering for nearly ten years back in the 1990s and early 2000s. So this is uh, <laughs> kind of fun to be back in my uh, mm -hmm. old dad, so to speak, uh, and, and you're doing such a great job with the magazine, and it's really wonderful to uh, to be a guest on your show, so this is great. Well, thank you, Mike. Um, so unrehearsed. Just, uh, thank you. Was that? that was unrehearsed, but thank you. Not completely unrehearsed. Uh, so just a little bit, is, is and, and it's kind of relevant to what we're going to talk about. Uh, in addition to having a background uh, with HPAC, I was also our senior research scientist at Pacific Northwest National Labs in the fields of indoor quality and energy efficiency. <laughs> Um, and some other history in, in science uh, organizations before that. So, you know, when we're talking about COVID later on, you know, I think I do bring a little bit of uh, knowledge to the situation for AMCA um, in that capacity. So, Aaron, how about you? Well, thanks, Mike and Rob. Thanks again for having us out today, uh, so to speak. To, to talk about a bit of our roles within the organization, um, Michael and I are on the advocacy team at AMCA. Uh, especially uh, me focused on uh, North American topics uh, and Michael, a more global slant, you know, and that can be the broad uh, world of code standards and regulations, which uh, there's a lot to that. As far as AMCA as an organization, you know, we're a nonprofit manufacturers trade association that's been in existence since 1917. Uh, we've got about 400 members across four different regions. Uh, the Americas, Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. Our headquarters are near Chicago in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Uh, and we have also staffed offices in Brussels, Dubai, and Malaysia. Our members are manufacturers of air system products, namely fans, dampers, louvers, air monitoring, or airflow measurement stations, ducts, and sound suppressors. We primarily serve commercial and industrial markets uh, but also have some members in power generation business and some that make uh, residential scale bathroom exhaust fans, for example. And uh, I'll add on to that a little bit. Uh, AMCA uh, is also a unique organization in that we have uh, our own laboratory. Uh, we have our headquarters laboratory in, in our Illinois headquarters, but we also have uh, accredited independent laboratories in Asia. Actually one in, one in South Korea and another one in Malaysia. Uh, and we also have uh, laboratories in Dubai and France. AMCA is also an international standards development organization. We have a library of 
uh, ANSI accredited standards that are used for test procedures and rating procedures for products. And we also accredit laboratories used uh, that are owned by our members uh, throughout the world. So it's, um, it's a pretty interesting organization in that uh, we not only have staff that, that manage the, the association on behalf of our members, but we also have a testing laboratory, we have standards, and we also have the AMCA certified ratings program where we have over 4,000 products now that are uh, certified by AMCA to have accurate manufacturer's ratings. So thanks both of you for, for um, helping to define the, uh, the parameters there. I guess as we get started here, this last year, I guess just, just talking globally and certainly the, the global pandemic has dominated the news and, and, uh, and for every association uh, has had to kind of recalibrate uh, um, what they do. I guess, and so our last two podcasts, actually, we, we spoke with the heads of ASHRAE and and uh, uh, head of American Boiler Manufacturers Association as well, and they both described, uh, I guess, kind of anxious odysseys in, in negotiating the pandemic this past year, um, and and their work in trying to help keep their members uh, connected, engaged, and 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 even just positive about the future, at times. So, how would you describe AMCA's own journey this past year as an association? in this uh, pretty extraordinary and unusual year. Good point, Rob. Um, let me kick off and then Aaron, you can, you can chime in um, when you get a chance. The, the, the COVID-19 has been a serious issue, not only in terms of severity of its affecting people and families, uh, countries, uh, but, but also businesses, as we all know. Um, restaurants have, have had a difficult time and, and education uh, centers, schools, and universities. It's, 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 it's disrupted everything. Um, with, with respect to the air systems industry, um, you know, we don't have epidemiologists and, and IAQ research scientists on, on staff at everybody at everybody's places of business, but it seems as if everybody's had to have a lot of knowledge in dealing with this pandemic. Um, the lot, they've had to learn a lot about infection rates and then and then when the ASHRAE Epidemic Task Force came out and other epidemic uh, task forces came out with guidance, you know, to try and absorb that guidance and, and translate it into uh, terms and, and conditions that, that uh, our, our members, our manufacturing members and, and their customers could understand. So, you know, these have been trying times by any token. And, and, and you know, with AMCA, you know, we had to deal with it ourselves. We had to develop protocols for managing the laboratory and keeping the laboratory running during, during this time so that we could continue to test products and make these products available uh, on the market for our members. But the, I think the most profound thing that, that affected us, uh, our industry, was when the rapid demand uh, increase in retrofits and replacements is that as businesses have tried to modify their, their air systems to deal, you know, to implement the recommendations of the ASHRAE Epidemic Task Force, and others, um, you know, it, it's created a surge in, in um, manufacturing for, for air system products. And our members have had to cope with that while also coping with the pandemic affecting uh, their businesses. Um, and in some cases, you know, not only did it create this demand increase for existing products, but in, in many instances, some of our members became entrepreneurs and started to develop new products or modify their existing products to provide air treatment and some level of COVID mitigation. Um, Aaron, what about you? What, what do you think? 
Well, yeah, Mike, related to that last point, you know, uh, the ASHRAE ETF Epidemic Task Force advised that if a business can't increase their air supply and filtration to, you know, recommended rates um, based on uh, recent, uh, you know, research and revised recommendations, that it can sum supplement their HVAC systems with mobile or portable air cleaners, for example. We've seen a lot of our members develop and sell those as products uh, in the last year and a half or so. Uh, others have added air treatment technologies such as uh, ultraviolet germicidal lights, uh, I think also known as uh, UVGI, uh, shorthand, uh, to their standard air delivery products. Uh, right now, uh, AMCA has been distilling uh, current system level guidelines from the ASHRAE ETF uh, and other uh, sources and resynthesizing them into guidance for our members at the product level so that re we can coach our members on how to, in, in turn, coach their customers on the role that AMCA products play in COVID mitigation. Um, for example, uh, the guidance on uh, VAV systems uh, and uh, working on what that means for fans, dampers, and louvers related to that. Uh, if you increase, one example that, you know, a common question that many people likely have is if you increase your air change rate from X to Y, what impact does that have on uh, AMCA scope products? And that's, you know, really what we're looking to try to answer with that. The ETF guidance also makes the role of uh, airflow measurement stations more important uh, AMCA does certify airflow measurement stations, and our members who make them are reporting a lot more interest in them recently. Also ensuring planned outdoor airflow requirements are being met is vital to COVID mitigation. I think uh, that kind of summarizes what I want to touch upon. Uh, Mike, anything you'd have to add on to that? I do. Uh, I do, Aaron. Thanks. Thanks for that. You know, the, one of the areas that's not as discussed about the epidemic task force uh, guidance and guidance from others is the role of ceiling fans. Um, the, the science is beginning to suggest that mixing the air is, is a vital role in, in COVID mitigation, so to speak. And the, the, the guidance is beginning to evolve uh, on how to operate ceiling fans uh, in, in, in a COVID uh, mitigation scenario or, or, or in, a, in, a, in a general workplace, you know, is, is it wise to turn the fans on or off? And if you turn them on, is it, you know, what direction should they flow and at what speed and things of that nature. So that guidance is evolving and AMP is taking a very close look at that. Large diameter ceiling fans are in our scope of products. We do certify those as well. And we're taking a close look at that guidance and we're developing uh, some materials that will help with that in the future. So thanks, thanks for that, Aaron. That's that's all I have to say. Thanks. Sure, Mike. That that uh, that guidance you think will be out later this summer, or is that uh, you're not it's, quite sure? Sometimes it's hard to say. You know, the, when AMCA is developing its guidance, one of the things that we build into the process is extensive peer review. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't, you know, this this topic uh, affects public health, and anything that we want to publish about it in terms of guidance is gonna to have to undergo extensive uh, peer review. So I don't want to uh, jump the gun. I know that it's coming, but uh, we'll have to wait and see exactly when the publication date was. I'd say if not in the summer, then in the fall. Okay. 
To Michael's last point, you know, I mean, this would be a good place just to mention and reiterate AMCA's mission, which is to advance the knowledge of error systems and uphold industry integrity on behalf of AMCA members worldwide. And, you know, that that really does uh, touch upon, in general, uh, public health and safety as, as it relates to this, uh, you know, the, the COVID pandemic and situations. Sure, uh, for sure. And actually, I'm just also just thinking of looking at, at Michael's uh, title again with global affairs and, and the international aspect of, of AMCA. I'm just curious how, as, as something like the guidance you're talking about evolves, how does that evolve uh, internationally, I guess, with, I guess every, all the different chapters have, have their own infrastructure as well, but, but uh, uh, I'm not sure if you can address that a little bit, but just how, how does, where does it, where does a proposal first go and how does it make the rounds, I guess, if, if oh, uh, you talk point. logistically about that a little bit, since you are so international. Right, that's true. I mean, with, with again, we have over 400 members and more than half of them are from companies outside the United States. Asia is our largest region. It's the number of members in, in Asia is larger than those in North America at this time. But every region, and it's Middle East, Asia, uh, the Americas, and Europe, they have their own uh, staff. They have their own, their, their own center of operations. They have their own steering committee of members, uh, member leaders, so to speak. And they have their own engineering committee and their own advocacy committee. So the, so the, uh, the regions... Uh, each direct their own, I would say, administrative or membership uh, interests. Uh, we're all unified by a common strategic plan, a common board of directors that, that sits atop all of that infrastructure, but each region uh, manages its own affairs, so to speak. And with respect to, to, to COVID, um, you can imagine how the, the guidance or the situations are different in Europe compared to Asia, compared to the Middle East, compared to the Americas. And so I know that, you know, I, I can't speak for Middle East. I, I don't know if there's an overarching Middle East guidance document. I haven't seen one. Uh, same is true for Asia, but there is uh, guidance in Europe that's more or less overarching and that's, and that's from Riva. So the way that works for us is that the, the, what, we, what we're trying to do mostly is, as I would say that the headquarters has been primarily focused on the Americas right now, the headquarters staff, um, has been primarily focused on working with the ASHRAE Epidemic Task Force guidance, and, and our members have been working with their own guidance within their own countries on this particular topic. On other topics, it's different, but COVID, it's so touchy, it's so local, um, that, that that's the way it's been working. Okay, yeah, thanks for, uh, for explaining that a bit. Just in the, the role of advocacy and education, I know advocacy, I guess, is, is your uh, uh, Bailiwick, uh, Aaron, can you can talk a little bit about that and, and maybe how that's changed in the past year as, as far as uh, uh, how was your job different this year than, than it was the year before as far as are you making more phone calls and Zoom meetings, I guess, and, and uh, how is the advocacy going? Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start on that one. Um, yeah, you're exactly right, Rob. I mean, AMCA, just like other organizations, has had to change gears in uh, you know, some ways uh, as far as limiting uh, in-person interactions that were so common previously, uh, and that included uh, travel to conferences, meetings, and related events. Uh, so it's, it's been a lot of uh, uh, more remote work, which I, I think, you know, many people in the HVAC industry, but also in the world at large could say uh, has they've, that they've done uh, 
yeah, lots of Zoom meetings and that type of thing. Uh, you know, in a way, um, a lot of our work has continued uninterrupted. The infrastructure that we have today, thanks to technology, lets for communication to continue no matter where people are at, of course, um, kind of a, a dumb or silly statement, but, you know, touch and base with people is as easy today as it has been and is has been improved, uh, I would argue, uh, through various means. Um, so bringing it back to advocacy and what AMCA is looking to do, you know, we really try to show up at the table uh, for AMCA members in uh, different arenas, uh, whether that be code writing bodies or standards developing organizations, and really just helping to provide a voice for AMCA members uh, in the air movement and control sector of the market as, mm -hmm. as we can. Mike, I'm sure there, there's lots more to touch on there. I'll, I'll kick it over to you. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Aaron. And good answers. The, the advocacy is such a people-oriented uh, endeavor. I would say for me personally, I've suffered a little bit on this regard in that I really like talking to people face-to-face, -face, uh, especially when you're negotiating an advocacy topic that, that is sensitive. Uh, you know, stakes can be high. It could be win or lose. You know, winner takes a lot, loser loses a lot. And, and generally when you're able to sit together in a room uh, or in a hallway or you know, sit, stand in the hallway, sit in the room, uh, you can cover a lot of bases and, and at least you know, understand the humanity of the situation involved. So, so I think advocacy is better uh, when, when there's a face-to-face -face element involved, uh, not in all cases, but in some. From an educational perspective, uh, AMP has been able to adjust to the situation very, very well we had begun to develop an educational service. You know, we weren't really big on doing webinars, um, but we began to ramp that up before COVID. And then under COVID, uh, we really ramped it up because so many people were constrained to only do remote education. And we did more than 30 webinars in the last year, year and a half, mm -hmm. uh, most of which provide uh, professional development hour certificates. So our education arm has taken off uh, considerably and education is linked very strongly to advocacy. For example, we know we had to come up with a new fan efficiency metric called fan energy index. And I won't get into that right now, but, but to educate people on this new index, this new metric, which uh, was introduced into ASHRAE 90.1 in 2019, IECC in 2021, and is beginning to percolate into state energy codes. You know, the Zoom meetings, the, the, the webinars have, have really helped accelerate uh, the adoption of that metric, but but overall, I'd say that that the you know the, the remote nature of advocacy has helped broaden it and deepen it, and, and we've been very effective with it. But I look forward to being able to break bread with my colleagues uh, that sometimes are across the table in a in an opposing way or with us as an ally. You know, it's, it's it says a lot to to be together face to face, and we really look forward to that happening. And the, uh, all those webinars that, uh, uh, I guess you said 30 webinars or so, are they all uh, available on at the website? With, Most uh, of them are. We have a, a website address, easy to know, amca.org slash educate. Um, that's a one-stop shop for, for most of our educational materials that are mm -hmm. free. Well, uh, well, appreciate your time. I guess finally, just looking forward to, um, you know, maybe trying to gaze forward into the, the, the post-pandemic post realm. Uh, what does AMCA see on the horizon for our industry, I guess, both near term and, and long term and as an association? How do you think uh, 2022 
is going to be different from 2019, I guess, uh, as far yeah. as how, how AMCA approaches things. And, and actually, I guess, what lessons maybe from this time, whether it's a, the all the online interaction and um, what kind of lessons from the last year or so do you think you might uh, might stick going forward and might might continue in a post-pandemic world? Let me hit that in two ways. First of all, from an industry perspective, which is what I would consider a buildings perspective, mm -hmm. I'd say that uh, there's some really profound things coming out, a lot of rethinking about buildings and building systems where I think there's gonna be a lot more attention paid to ventilation and indoor air quality. Um, articles are showing that there's really no standards out there that govern indoor air quality from a purely health perspective, from, from, mm -hmm. from odors, from you know, certain contaminants, yes, but from, from a virus perspective, not so much. And so I, I would think like ASHRAE 62.1 and maybe some new standards might evolve or be born to help deal with these kinds of issues. And that we're going to be some, some profound rethinking of building design. So I, that's going to be fun to see how that, mm -hmm. how that works out. From a pragmatic uh, nuts and bolts process perspective, I think there might be a binge in travel to make up for lost time to see people. Mm -hmm. uh, but overall, I think there's going to be a realization that having remote meetings saves a lot of money, saves a lot of time, reduces risk for getting sick quite a bit. I mean, it's been more than a year and a half since I've had a cold. <laughs> That's a good thing, right? So, yeah. so that, I think that the trade-offs are that maybe we'll have less travel, but more important trips uh, to make and, uh, and more reliance on, on remote learning and remote meetings. What do you think, Aaron? Well, on some of the points you, you talked about there, Mike, uh, yeah, totally agree that there will be a greater focus on indoor air quality moving forward. You know, given um, the nature of the, the environments that Michael and I are in, you know, we, we hear a lot of things about looking forward to resilient, increased resiliency efforts uh, for kind of future proofing possible, you know, uh, anticipation of other pandemics coming that, that may come down the road, I, I you know. God willing, they don't, but it could happen. And there's been conversations on that. Additional energy savings, you know, hot topic uh, in the world today, of course, is global warming and uh, that type of thing. So insofar as we're able to, to, to look at energy savings, that type of thing, you know, uh, you'll be surprised to hear, uh, I can't predict the future exactly, but uh, you know, I, I can say that everything in AMCA is represented in our name, Air Movement and Control Association International and uh, you know, our mission statement. Whatever uh, we look to do uh, in the next couple of years and beyond, uh, it'll be consistent with our name and, and that mission statement. So some, some thoughts on that. Okay. Well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you, Mike. Uh, I think we're probably just about out of time here. Thank you so much for your time here and, and, uh, and the insights, certainly. Uh, hope, hope to chat with you again soon, maybe, maybe a year from now, maybe six months from now, we can touch base again. In the meantime, listeners can look for more relevant content from AMCA on our pages at hpac.com or over at amca.org. But uh, to hear previous episodes of HPAC on the air, uh, please visit our members only section at hpac.com. But thanks again, gentlemen. Thank you for your time here. And uh, everybody, uh, please comment and share this podcast with colleagues and friends uh, via social media. Again, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Aaron. And, and thanks to all of you for, for tuning in.